This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Empire. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also, you can read my agent's take column on the business aspects of the NFL at CBSSports.com. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk about three things. One, Joey Bosa's new contract. Two, Vic Beasley not reporting um, to the Titans and what that means from a cap standpoint, and also go over the COVID-19 opt-outs as well. Uh, Let's get started with Joey Bosa. A couple of weeks ago, Miles Garrett became the first $25 million per year non-quarterback. The ink is barely dry on that deal, and now Joey Bosa has leapfrogged that. Earlier this week, he signed a five-year, $135 million contract extension which averages $27 million per year. Now, I always thought Bosa was going to become the highest-paid non-quarterback when he signed his contract. Um, I just didn't think that he was going to put as much distance as he did between his average per year and Garrett's average per year. That's an 8% increase. Um, just to give you put that in a little perspective, when Russell Wilson um, became the highest-paid player in the league, um, in 2019, his deal only averaged a little more than 4.4% than Aaron Rodgers at $33.5 million per year, who was the highest paid player in the league. I thought that uh, Bosa might get in the $26 million per neighborhood, maybe a shade over $26 million, but not to $27 million per year. This deal exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways, and let, let's get to those now. Um, what Bosa did was he basically established new benchmarks in every important contract metric. His guarantees, he's got 102 in overall guarantees. The most for a non-quarterback was 100, Miles Garrett. He's got 78 fully guaranteed at signing. Um, that shatters where the mark was for a non-quarterback. That was $64 million for Julio Jones. That's almost 22% more. And to further put it in perspective, it's the third most in an NFL contract that's currently in existence. Because tops is Matt Ryan at $94.5 million. Second is Aaron Rodgers at $78.7 million. So some of you may be thinking, what about Kirk Cousins, that fully guaranteed three-year contract he signed a couple of years ago? That's no longer an existing contract. He signed an extension, two-year extension this year. There's $61 million fully guaranteed. So the $84 million is no longer a current contract. So Bosa is third. He's got more than Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had $70 million fully guaranteed at signing. 
Um, two other things I look at um, in particular are the first three new years, which is the amount of new money you have over your first three new years. He's under contract this year for $14.36 million, his fifth-year option. So you would take the cash from 20 through 2023, subtract out to 14.36, and that's going to be the new money over the first three new years. And Joey Bosa has $87.64 million in the first three new years. So the first three new years average a little over $29.2 million per year. Miles um, Garrett was tops in this category at just over $80.2 million. Then another thing I look is just a hard cash, the three-year cash um, at the beginning of the deal. So that would be what he makes 2020 through 2022 in Bosa's case. And he's got $78 million as his three-year cash, which means that his first three years are fully guaranteed because it matches that amount. His cash through four years is $102 million, which is the overall guarantee. So, so that's where he is from that standpoint. If you have $87.64 million in the first three years, you're getting 65% of your new money through the first three years. That is considered a player-friendly structure. What's considered a neutral structure would be if you had 60% of your cash through the first three new years in a five-year um, deal. Because... Um, Neutral would be 20% after one new year, 40% after two, 6% after three new years, 80% after four. So this is great. This is awesome that he's gotten 65% of his new money through the first three new years. I call that a player-friendly contract. Something I started doing um, back in the uh, late 90s uh, with Hall of Fame defensive tackle John Randall was – when he was going to be a transition player, uh, the salary cap had jumped about 20-25% because of the TV money. So try to figure out how to value um, his what we should target on a new contract. I started adjusting contracts for cap inflation. So if you look at all the current existing contracts and you adjust them for cap inflation, um, the highest the highest paid adjusted average for someone was Khalil Mack's um, deal. Mack became the highest paid non-quarterback in 2018, averaging $23.5 million per year. The cap's gone up 11.85% since then. So basically, his adjusted average is 26.285, essentially. Bosa is at $27 million in his new money average. That is phenomenal. Um, for a recent article on CBS, I started looking at uh, who were the highest paid adjusted players under the salary cap era dating back to um, 1994 but if you just um, so I've adjusted all these contracts now if you look at what's been done since the 2011 CBA the highest adjusted average was Calvin Johnson's and that was off of the uh, deal averaging 16.2 million per year he signed in 2012 the cap's gone up almost 65% since then Um, the adjusted average for um, Calvin Johnson's deal is a little over $26.6 million. So Bosa beats that with his new money average. So this is amazing. That's phenomenal. That Bosa has the highest adjusted average of any player who signed a deal since 2011. Um, if you go back to exactly two calendar years ago, into July, early August, we didn't have any $20 million per year um, non-quarterbacks. Um, they came about a month later with Aaron Donald, and Khalil Mack. So since then, the top of the non-quarterback market, 
basically talking about pass rushers. Um, has jumped 41%, which is a huge increase over basically two calendar years. And if you go back to three years ago, Matthew Stafford became the highest paid player in the league three years ago on a deal averaging $27 million per year, which is what Bosa's deal averaged. He signed a five-year extension um, worth $135 million. But his guarantees weren't anything like Bosa's. He had $60.5 million fully guaranteed at signing. Bosa's at 78. Um, he didn't have $100 million overall guarantees like Bosa. He was in the low 90s. So the fact that I never thought that in a three-year period that we'd have a non-quarterback who would match the average and in some respects do better than what the highest paid player was at the beginning of the 2017 uh, regular season. So that that's just uh, kind of mind-boggling to me. Just never contemplated something like that happening. How are the Chargers able to afford Joey Bosa? It would have been very tough if they still had uh, Philip Rivers as their quarterback because he would have signed an extension, which would have been at least $25 million per year, which is what he's making on his one-year deal uh, with the Colts. The Chargers no longer have a high-priced quarterback. They, they drafted their quarterback of the future this year, Justin Herbert, with the sixth overall pick. And his cap numbers for his four-year rookie deal are cost-controlled and very manageable. Um, this year's cap number is a little over $4.8 million. Um, 2021, it's basically $6.04 million. 2022, the cap number is just under $7.25 million. And in 2023, it's just over um, $8.45 million. So you're able to afford a guy like Bosa at this amount when you're not paying a quarterback. That's the same thing that's happening in Cleveland right now. Baker Mayfield is still on his rookie contract. He's going into year three. You can't extend him until the at the end of this regular season. And if he doesn't play well, they're not going to do it. That's how it makes more sense for Cleveland to have Garrett at that level and why you can really afford to have Bosa um, as the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. Um, one thing that getting Bosa's contract out of the way – does is it frees up a franchise tag for another player as an expiring contract. If Bosa hadn't done a new deal and he was still unsigned of a new deal by the time you had to uh, designate a franchise player when the period ended in early March next year, he was going to get that franchise tag. There's no way they were going to let Joey Bosa hit the open market. So now that franchise tag or transition tag can be used on somebody else. Hunter Henry was franchised by the Chargers this year. Uh, They've got better options, um, I think, for next year. Melvin Ingram, uh, the other defensive end, has an expiring contract. But I really think that Keenan Allen gets franchised if he doesn't sign a new deal before uh, early next March. and He'll be the guy that gets franchised. But um, I can't say enough good things about this Bosa deal. Exceeded all my expectations. And... The guarantees are phenomenal, particularly the amount fully guaranteed at signing. And it's a player-friendly contract. So what more else is there to say about this Joey Bosa contract? 
Okay, let's turn our attention to uh, Titans edge rusher uh, Vic Beasley. Uh, Beasley didn't report on time to training camp, and he was put on the uh, reserve did not report list. Uh, Beasley signed a one-year deal for $6 million signing bonus and uh, $3.5 million uh, fully guaranteed base salary. Now, under the new collective bargaining agreement, um, each day that you miss training camp, you are fined $50,000 a day. Um, Now, it used to be under previous CBAs that the fines could be forgiven. Fines are now mandatory. So, Reporting date was 28th. We're on day four. So right now, uh, Beasley has racked up $200,000 worth of fines that can't be forgiven like they used to be able to be forgiven. Um, Also, um, with that $6 million signing bonus, once you miss more than five days on the uh, sixth day of uh, a holdout, which is what this would technically be, (laughs) then... um, a team can elect to fine you up to 15% of your signing bonus proration. And since his signing bonus proration is all in this year, since it's a one-year deal, 15% of $6 million would be 900000 And then the fine is um, 1% for each additional day missed, like $60,000 per day. And then up during the preseason the max you can be fined is 25%. So I'd keep rolling if his uh, um, absence continued to where they could fine him a max of 1.5, or they could recoup, not fine, I should say. They could recoup up to $1.5 million of their signing bonus. Now, if they do decide to enforce this, uh, it's going to be easy for him to get it back, uh, or at least to deduct also the fine money. Um, he got $3 million of his signing bonus in April. And then their $1 million installments in October, November, and December. They could just uh, withhold that that money um, and deduct it from there if necessary. Now, Beasley still could opt out, which we're going to talk about uh, next, um, and voluntarily and get the $150,000 stipend. Then that would the signing bonus would remain intact. Uh, his contract would move to 2021. But he'd still be out $50,000 because they can't um, forgive the fine. Now, another interesting thing is that typically in contracts that your your guarantees uh, can void because you have an obligation to perform services um, with, with 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 your guarantees. And typically if you refuse to play or practice, um your guarantee will void. And, and specifically, in um, for his $3.5 million guarantee, it reads, in any event, in any of the contract years, A, uh, player, fuse, player fails or refuses to report to club or fails to practice with club or play or leaves club for any reason whatsoever unless such failure or practice or play is as a result of NFL-related injury sustained while performing services under his NFL contract. And it keeps going on for a bunch of other stuff, like if you're suspended by, for the personal conduct policy, one of the drug policies for conduct detrimental. Um, if you engage in a dangerous, dangerous activity and his, it lists a bunch of stuff, like uh, snow skiing, surfing, hang gliding, bungee jumping, etc. Then the guarantee voids. So technically... 
the um, Titans could void the guarantee, so now he'd still be able to make the $3.5 million, but it would be unsecured as opposed to secured. So if they wanted to cut bait with him, and once they cut bait from their response, you can't get signing bonus back any more than you could for his days missed. Um, they could and get out of the $3.5 million base salary obligation, but they still need a pass rush. So hopefully he reports sooner rather than later. This whole bizarre situation is put behind everybody. Final thing, let's talk about the ability to opt out for this year because of COVID-19. There are two categories of opt-outs. There's a voluntary opt-out, and there's also people who opt out uh, for medical reasons. Now, on the voluntary opt-out, you can get a stipend of $150,000. For the uh, what's called the high-risk opt-out because of a medical approved medical condition, um, you can uh, get a $350,000. Stipend. Now, how that how that works is that in order to uh, be a voluntary opt-out player, then you have to be someone who was either drafted in 2020 or earned a credited season in 2019 to be eligible for the uh, $150,000. Um, Chance Warmack didn't play last year. He decided to opt out this year. He's not eligible for the stipend. Stipend is basically irrevocable. If you decide to opt out, that's it. You're not opting back in. You don't get an accrued or accredited season. Accrued season is your service for free agency. Accredited season is for um, benefit uh, purposes. Now, um, the time to opt out is yet yeah, seven days from when the NFL and the NFLPA finally agreed all the COVID-19 amendments for this year. As of today, they still haven't agreed to them. If they get finalized today, everything's buttoned up, agreement signed. Then the opt-out deadline is on the um, 7th of August. Let's turn our attention to how this is going to work for a specific player. Let's look at um, Michael Pierce of the Minnesota Vikings, who is opting out in the high-risk category. So his opt-out has been approved. Uh, Pierce uh, was an unrestricted free agent this year. Signed for uh, $9 million a year, $27 million over three years. $6 million signing bonus. Um, supposed to make um, $9 million this year for $5 million cap number. So he's going to get the $350,000 stipend. Now, how the stipend is going to be uh, treated, it's not going to count as a cap charge during the year. It's going to be treated like you would not likely to be earned incentives. At the end of the year, it's going to count, go against Minnesota's cap. So during the season... Because his contract is tolling, there's not going to be a cap charge for Minnesota at all. His 2020 contract year, and by tolling we mean it basically gets frozen in time. So his 2020 contract year becomes his 2021 contract year. His 2021 contract year becomes his 2022 contract year. And his 2022 contract year becomes his 2023 contract year. Um, typically, when a contract tolls, if you have any signing bonus proration, in this case, um, it's $2 million uh, per year since it's a three-year deal for uh, Pierce, that um, your signing bonus proration stays intact. Um, that's how it was when Josh Gordon uh, had his uh, year-long suspensions under the drug policy. 
did his 2015 year, which is the final year of his rookie deal. The bonus proration stayed intact there. Subject to final agreement between the NFL and NFLPA, that's not going to be the case with the uh, opt-outs, voluntary and high-risk opt-outs for COVID-19. The signing bonus proration also will shift down a year. So the Vikings won't have a cap charge at all this year for uh, Michael Pierce, except the 350 will hit the cap uh, at the end of the year. So next year's cap number is going to be $5 million. It was, suppo- it was supposed to be $10.5 million, but that's going to shift down a year. And that will be his 2022 cap number. And an $11.5 million cap number in 2022 becomes his $11.5 million cap number in, in 2023. So I hope that clears up any confusion that there may have been um, on how that works. Now, the team that's been hit the hardest so far has been the uh, New England Patriots. They've had multiple players opt out, so they're going to get over, well over $20 million in cap room uh, when this is all said and done. So if you take like their most high-profile player who was opted out, that's um, Dante Hightower, and he was a voluntary opt-out, so he's going to get the $150,000 um, stipend. What's going to happen is uh, that's treated as a salary advance. That's going to be a cap charge. And he's, he was supposed to make $8 million as a base salary this year, had 875000 in per-game roster bonuses, had $2.5 million of um, signing bonus proration. So 2020 was the last year of his contract. So he's still under contract next year for that, those same amounts. Um, so the only cap charge that New England is going to have is going to be um, relating to the $150,000 salary advance. So next year, they're going to have a cap charge for him when there wasn't going to be one before. Um, so, yeah, the per-game roster bonuses, I'm not sure how they're going to treat those next year. Typically, they're based on what you did the year before. But since he's opting out, I don't know if they're going to go back and use 2019 as the basis for valuing the um, per-game roster bonuses um, cap-wise or not. So at a minimum, he is going to – and also he, he earned incentives, one point. million incentives, which we're counting on the cap this year. I don't know how they're going to treat that as well for him, whether they look back to 2000, what he did in 2019, and they count those or not. So at a minimum, his 2021 cap number is going to be 10.5. But that's just to give you a sense of how that's going to work on the opt-outs. We'll see what what other players opt out. Nate Solder, Giants also opted out. Um, He and Hightower are the two highest-profile players thus far to opt out. So, over the next seven days, we'll see if anybody else also opt-outs. That's going to wrap it up for uh, this week's edition of Inside the Cap. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, uh, follow me on Twitter. That is Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-U-L. J-O-E-L. And you can also find my regular column at CBSSports.com called An Agent's Take on the Business Aspects of the NFL. Goodbye.